0: Welcome everybody to episode number 23 of the YWC Football Talk Podcast. Last week was all AFC, this week is all NFC, and I got two, and like how I got two AFC guys last week, I got two NFC guys this week, Matt Beast makes his return, and making his first return since the very first, he was my first ever guest on the pod, Britton Harrison is back, we'll talks some NFC football, as we're only two days away, boys, how are we feeling about it?
1: Um, we're feeling really good, really excited. Um, on the EV, football—I cannot wait, man. I mean, it feels weird because we didn't get any preseason football this year, so it's just kind of just jumping on us now, or we're just keying right into Week One. But uh, I'm excited.
2: Yeah, like you said, it doesn't even really feel real. You know, it feels like we haven't really had any time to prepare, and it's just like, okay, we're already back to football season, and with the with the basketball playoffs going on at the same time. It's, just, it's pretty crazy, but I'm, I'm not complaining. More sports, you
0: know? No, I know exactly. I feel like I'm, uh, going, I'm going up north with a few friends in a couple weeks, and I was telling them, hey, uh, we're going to be able to watch in the span of a weekend because it's the first weekend of October doing this. We're going to be able to watch the MLB playoffs, the Stanley Cup finals, the NBA finals, and week four of the NFL season. So I'm like, just to get all that sports at once, like obviously the last six months have been very whirlwind for everyone, But the fact now that we're getting all this sports hit on us at once, and plus two college footballs returning this Saturday. I know some of the smaller schools played this weekend, but I know a lot more of the bigger schools are coming back in the next few weeks. I think the Big 12 starts this week. But, yeah, just a sports overload, and I'm excited.
1: And... Well, let's not talk about college football and get me all sad, so uh, oh, yeah. let's move on to NFL. All right. <laughs> me and Beast are both two sad Razorback fans right now. Oh, that's all yeah, right. we'll be lucky to win a single game this season, because that schedule is brutal. <laughs> the worst schedule I've ever seen. Yeah, well,
0: I didn't mean to get it off on a somber note, but on—but just, <laughs> <laughs> just on another quick note, um, right before we started recording, I actually tweeted out, I'm kind of being a Ian Rappaport or Adam Schefter for some people here, but Vaughn Miller... Had a freak injury in practice today, and the team is fearing that it's season-ending for an ankle injury. So, we know Vaughn had a bout with COVID-19 earlier this year. Hopefully the injury isn't too, too serious. But if it is, get better soon, Vaughn. Because yeah, I always said that... Because you know how you guys said earlier that your biggest fears was... Or not biggest fear, but you know you said no preseason, so the itch for football is there? My only big concern of no preseason is is that you're going to see someone big go down week one. Like, I'm not hoping for it. I'm just saying, like... For as bad as it will be, it wouldn't shock me totally if someone has a freak injury week one, but that's just me. Um, anyway guys, uh I'm I think there's four divisions. The NFC this year honestly is very intriguing, just because I feel like for the first time in a long time, you don't know exactly who's gonna win all four divisions. Like with the AFC, we talked about this last week. We feel like teams like Baltimore and Kansas City are kinda already lock ins to win their divisions. But I feel like with the NFC, it's kinda open season for who can win any division.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing that's been consistent over the years with the AFC is you always have your usual suspects coming out of the conference. It was, for, for, for a while, it was the Colts here and there, the Patriots mainly, and uh, now it looks like it's going to be either the Chiefs or the Ravens. My money probably be on the Chiefs again, but, uh, and the NFC, it's always been kind of a roulette. You never know who's going to come out of the whole entire conference, and uh, it's uh, a I feel like it's much more competitive than the AFC, and in general it's much less predictable. The AFC could be a little bit different this year, but uh, you, you guys uh, went really good in depth on the AFC, so uh, check out check out y'all's uh, thoughts on that from last week if you guys want to listen to some AFC talk as well.
0: Yeah, I was about to say, that episode went pretty, pretty long, and um, I was going to start with the South, but I want to leave that till a little bit later on. I want to talk first Britain's a- a- NFC East, excuse me, And, Britton, I know you're a Cowboys fan, but I want your thoughts on where you feel like this Cowboys team could go in 2020.
2: Okay. Um, The thing about me being a Cowboys fan, a lot of Cowboys fans are very unrealistic. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the few you'll meet that try to keep my expectations as realistic as possible. But I think with the talent this team has this year on offense, on defense, new coach, I think they have all the ingredients they need to make it far into the playoffs. Do I think they'll make it to the Super Bowl? Probably not. I don't think they're better than a team like the Saints. But I think that I think there's going to be a really good season for the Cowboys. Sorry, I got kind of sidetracked there. Uh, oh no, that's I think all, they're going to surprise a lot of people. I
0: don't know. It's all good. Um, I always see the Dallas Cowboys personally. I personally have them winning the NFC East this year. I think that with Mike McCarthy coming in. Um, you're gonna have a new look. Uh, Mike Nolan, I believe, is the new defensive coordinator for the team, so it'll be interesting to see how they go. Um, my only concern, just with the defense, is the secondary. But I feel like if the defensive line can get enough stops, it'll help them win games. It's just that big pass threat, considering you some of the competition with some of the receivers that are in the NFC. But to the fact too, that Dax playing on a one year contract, like he's got nothing to lose. Like Cooper got paid, Zeke got paid. Dax is trying to go out there and show Jerry Jones. If he can have a good season and make this, make a win the division. There's no excuse why Dak should get a long-term contract.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's all it comes down to is just I think he's going to have a career year. He's out to prove that you know if he wants that money that he he claims to want so much, he's got to go out and prove that he's worth it. And I think he's going to go out and do it. I think he's capable of it. And uh, I, I hope that he surprises a lot of people this year because I, I myself am not the biggest Dak supporter, not the biggest Dak fan, but I'm really excited to see what he can do this year. And, and like you said about the defense, like the defensive line is looking really great. Leighton Van Jalen Smith, that they can both stay healthy, unstoppable. You let go of Byron Jones and free agency, that I don't understand. But they did re-sign Brandon Carr. He's a former Cowboy. He spent the last couple seasons in Baltimore. He's learned a lot there. Maybe, maybe he'll come back better than he was last time he was in a Cowboys uniform.
0: Yeah, and also, too, I feel like um, I know at the time of the draft, they could have got someone like Xavier McKinney. But I feel like the fact that they went out and – took another receiver and Lamb, is just honestly showing that, hey, we have a great offense. We've got arguably a three-headed monster at receiver with Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup. Um, Just my only other question really on the offense, because we all know how good the offensive line can be, is just if Jarwin's really going to be that star tight end now that um, Witten's gone.
2: I think so, dude. He's really good. He's really quick. He has good hands. I'm not going to go out and say he's like a a Travis Kelsey or anything by any means, but you give him a couple of years – I think he's gonna. I think he's really gonna develop under the system, and hopefully, maybe next year. Fingers crossed, Cowboys can get former Arkansas Razorback Hunter Henry in a tie-in. and a tight end, that'll complete everything. That'll be that'll be the final. The, what, what is? I'm not a big Marvel guy, but the the last stone in the the Infinity Gauntlet.
0: I was gonna, gonna say things. piece of the puzzle, but that's another good one too. And last <laughs> last Infinity Stone works for both of us. Um, what do you guys both think that worst case, best case scenario is for the Dallas Cowboys?
1: Um, for the Cowboys, um, I think the best case is the way the way I'm seeing it is this is the Cowboys' division to lose. It's going to be a two horse race between them and the Eagles ultimately. But I think the Eagles they they just have an injury bug problem. Like it seems like the past couple years they just cannot get healthy, and they're already on the trend of that. And I mean something like Deshaun Jackson is going to be their only notable healthy receiver next or this first couple week uh, first couple week or two. Um Alshon Jeffries expected back in September. Jalen Rager got hurt in practice, who's gonna be a star wide receiver for them, I think. Um but in terms of the Cowboys I really like Dak Prescott. I think he's a really good quarterback and, uh, I think he's going to go out there and prove that he needs a contract. I, I could see him getting something similar to what Deshaun Watson just signed at 39 million per year. Cause I put Dak and Deshaun, uh, I, I put Deshaun just a, just a tad bit above Dak, but uh, they're, they're really close in the same tier of quarterback to me, especially. And I mean, uh, if you look at the weapons that Dak has just around him, I mean, you got Zeke, of course, one of the best running backs in the league, Amari Cooper. Um, it, it, he, uh, Mark Cooper's weird because sometimes he'll show off to be an elite wide receiver and then other times he'll go up against like an elite cornerback and just kind of disappear. But, uh, I think it could be better. I mean, you got Michael Gallup. He emerged last year. You have, uh, one of the best wide receivers in the draft, CeeDee Lamb, of course, playing the slot, had a lot of vacated targets with, uh, um, um, Hurts. Randall Cobb oh. and, uh, Jason Witten. So I think, uh, as you guys were talking about, Blake Jarwin, I think he could be a fantastic sleeper tight end this year. So uh, I think him and C.D. will take over that role. And uh, as Britton said, um, Leighton Van Esch and Jalen Smith, if those guys can stay healthy, they have injury concerns with those two. But if they can just go out there and stay healthy, that's going to be a big key to their defense. And, uh, of course, I mean, Byron Jones, uh, the departure of him is going to suck. But, I mean, the Dolphins paid a lot to get that guy. And I mean, they drafted Trayvon Diggs in the second round, so let's go see if uh, he's going to be a good cornerback. But um, in terms of number wise, I could see the Cowboys going 11 and five and winning the division. Um, worst case scenario, maybe like seven and nine. But uh, I-, I would probably put it about 11 and five or 10 and six.
0: You honestly read my mind because I was going to say the exact same thing. I think best case for the Cowboys is 11 and five, they win division. Worst case scenario is seven and nine, they miss the playoffs. Um, The other thing I noticed, too, right here, and I think this is going to be a very key game, Week 16, the Eagles go to Dallas, 425. I'm going to assume Buck and Aikman are going to call that game because whenever a Cowboy game's at 425, no matter where, you just put two and two together. And uh, Britain can vouch for this, but a great example of Cooper getting shut down was last year against New England. I remember they put Stephon Gilmore on him, and you saw absolutely nothing from Mari Cooper in that game. So if Cooper can kind of ball out against some big-name cornerbacks this year, uh, he'll do good because, like, I was just looking at their schedule too. This Sunday night, opening of SoFi Stadium. He's got Jalen Ramsey, he's got to go up against.
2: Uh-huh. And yeah, he's he's got to have more than that comeback route. I mean, that he can burn some elite defenders on that, but he's got to have more than that. And sometimes it feels like that's that's all he has unless he's just down the field wide open.
0: Exactly, and then um, so do we, Britton, Do we have all the same agreements with the whole best case, worst case? So if you guys win the division, goal, oh, like, say eleven and five. Worst case is seven and nine or eight and eight.
2: I got this going eleven and five, yeah, and winning the division.
0: So I like to hear, and then uh, just quickly with the Eagles, uh, Matt's right in the sense too. Like, look, they're that team where if they can stay healthy, like, if, especially if Carson Wentz can stay healthy, he can be an MVP. But just the fact that he can't stay healthy, like raises a lot of question marks for me. And also considering, too, that they haven't had a whole lot of playoff success since winning their Super Bowl. I know they won the one game against Chicago, but let's be honest, that was just kind of dumb luck on the part of Cody Parkey having the double doink. And then, too, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, believe the ball went right through his hands in the divisional round in the Superdome and the Saints. Uh, Matt, who who's, who's the Saint that picked that off? Was that Lattimore? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. And then, um, like, I like, I like the Eagles. It's just... Quickly going best case worst case for them. I think the best case is like you said, this is the Cowboys' division to lose. So I think best case for them is like ten and six. Worst case for me for them is eight and eight, and they're like the seventh, eighth, or ninth seed. I think I think that's fair to say, right?
1: Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, I think their offense could be good if everyone stays healthy. And I mean, obviously, right now, Miles Sanders he's questionable to play. Alshon Jeffrey, like I said earlier, him and Jalen Rager. Um and their big thing is just health, and of course, their defense, it's had some troubles lately with their secondary, and if they can ever get that under control and figure out what's going on back there in the secondary, I mean, they got Darius Slay, so that should help, Um, but uh, I I just gotta see how their defense shows out, and if their uh, weapons can stay healthy.
0: And also, too, they did lose Brandon Brooks on the, um, that was another thing I just would say, the Cowboys, too, it's gonna be interesting to see how they look without Gerald McCoy, because he's out for the year, I believe, with a... An Achilles and or an ACL and that or eight or quad one of the three and I know the Eagles lost Brandon Brooks for the year with a Achilles injury back in training camp and as for the Giants and the uh, I was about to say their old name but the Washington Football Team I feel like these are just two playoff teams where at best six and ten for both of them but I think the Giants have more potential going forward right now than Washington does just based off the fact that. Look, I know the Redskins have a very, very good-looking defensive line. It's just when it comes to offense, I trust the Giants a little bit more than I do Washington.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think the Giants have a really promising offense for the, for the future. I mean, Daniel Jones last year, you know, maybe didn't have the greatest first year, but he's improving. I mean, throughout the year, you could see him improve. Evan Ingram has proven to be a top tight end. One healthy. The um, Sterling Shepard's had a pretty good year last year, I, I think. And then, of course, Saquon so i don't think they have much to worry about on offense but it's just it's just defense for me i feel like
1: um i don't put a lot of stock into either the giants or the redskins um well formerly known as the redskins the washington football team um i'm not big fans of either the quarterbacks i really don't like dwayne haskins i gotta i gotta see more out of him um to see if he's gonna be anything and i mean uh Not a big fan of their weapons they got going on there, and their running back situation is just uh, terrible right now. I mean, at first they had Darius Geist, and he got released due to uh, his uh, problems he had going on. And then Adrian Peterson just got cut, and I guess they feel really good about Antonio Gibson or someone there that they have in camp already. I don't know what's going on there, but, uh, yeah. Um, The defensive line is about the main standout, like you said, for them. And then the Giants... um, it's just about seeing if Daniel Jones can put it all together with his weapons um Darius Slayton was showing off uh good things last year they still got Golden Tate who's a really good slot receiver um and yeah I mean they got Saquon Barkley the best probably the best running back talent wise in the NFL and but I mean have just having a great running back only gets you so far though because I mean just look at uh Look at the general scope of the NFL. They are not wanting to really pay running backs unless they just really have to, unless you're like a, a, a Zeke, a Kamara, a Barkley. And even then, sometimes it doesn't get you very far, because, I mean, look at Christian McCaffrey's year last year.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, his benchmark is, I think, six, it's like $16 million a season. And so far, that was the one thing, too, I was actually messaging Matt about earlier today was, and I'm just going through Twitter right now, hoping that I can scroll through and see the update. Oh, Alvin Kamara signed an extension, because... With our dumb luck, watch. He's going to sign as soon as we're off the air or tomorrow. But the uh, the fact that, like, yeah, $16 million is the benchmark for a running back. And even, too, we're going to get into this. But I'm going to be upfront and honest right now. Seeing the fact that McCaffrey is the backbone of that Carolina Panthers football team, they're not going to win a whole lot of games. Because I think they're still in the same position as, like, the Giants or Washington. Where, look, they got some pieces, but they still got a ways to go. They also, too, their defense is a huge question mark just because of how young they are. It's nothing to do with talent. It's just when you have a younger defense in the NFL, you are going to fuck up a good amount of times just because, look, everyone makes mistakes and you're just a kid in this league, even though you're 21 to 22 and collectively could probably beat the holy hell out of the three of us in an Oklahoma drill. Um, But, yeah, like the Giants, and also, too, just the fact that um, nothing against Rivera, and I hope he gets better because I know he's dealing with cancer right now, but seeing that video of Joe Judge, like, sliding in the mud or even doing that simple drill like having the team like tape hand tennis balls in their hands so they don't hold. Little things like that are easily having a rookie head coach win over your locker room. Like it's just just the little things like that would make me confident for the Giants, not this year but going forward. So this year if they can go six and ten, I think ultimately it's an improvement. Because I think last year they went three and thirteen or four and twelve. I'm not
1: quite sure. Eh, if I we think don't. That's what I have them
2: going. Six and
0: ten, yeah. Yeah, and then Washington I think I think somewhere between 3 and 13 and 5 and 11. I'm going to say it goes yeah. Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, Washington football team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Um,
0: the uh, next division I want to move on to is a very another very intriguing one. It is the NFC North. Like, all divisions in this conference are intriguing. It's just the North intrigues me because there's it's like the NFC South where you have three teams who could potentially make noise. One team is probably going to be pretty good, and then one team... Could either be very good or not good at all, and that's just with the North. Um, off the hop, I honestly want to say the Packers are going to win this division. But at the same time, too, it wouldn't totally shock me if Minnesota is kind of that, just like that car that's just tailgating them the entire season, where we'll find out Sunday exactly where this division shapes up.
2: Uh, it's, it's so tough because that's always been such a tough division. But, you know, you got to look at Aaron Rodgers. He played decent last year, but how much longer can he be Aaron Rodgers? He still has Devontae Adams. He's got Aaron Jones there now. Defense is looking great. I, I think that's still the best team in the NFC North. Uh, I think losing Diggs is a huge blow for the Vikings, but I mean, you can't expect Phelan and Cook to, to do everything for you. So... I still think that's uh, the Packers are going to be probably NFC championship this year.
0: Um, the, big, and the biggest thing about the Packers, too, is just the fact that Aaron Rodgers has not made it back to a Super Bowl since he won his first one. And that was in, in February. That's going to be 10 years ago. So I think the more and more he gets done, the more, the more and more he doesn't get it done, it's going to be more of, hey, what's going on here? Because also, too, I do see the money in the North. It's just when I made that car comparison with the Vikings and the Packers. I just mean that, hey, I think the Packers will win the division. I just wouldn't shock me that if the Vikings are kind of on their tail, where it's like the Packers finish say twelve and four, and then the Vikings are ten and six, so it like kind of gets decided right. at the very end of the season. Um, I honestly do think drafting Jordan Love is going to light a fire under Aaron Rodgers, where we just see this whole new quarterback come out. It's just my only concern is the fact that besides Devontae Adams, I know they got Lizarde, I know they, I think they still have Scantling. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't have that big number two receiver like you know how when Amari Cooper is in double coverage the Cowboys are gonna go to Lamb like they don't have that trustworthy receiver like that I'm not like, I'm not saying trustworthy in the sense of make catches it's just trustworthy in the sense that hey he can be Mr Reliable because we saw a lot of that last year when Devontae Adams got shut down they didn't win football games
1: yeah and I mean that's been a big question mark for like everyone in the fantasy community since last year is like who's going to be this number two guy because everyone's always bought in on the number two guy and having Aaron Rodgers number two receiver because he's normally supported two really good receivers but uh I mean Alan Lazard Marquez Valdez Gantling they didn't really go out there and get anybody I mean they got Devin Funches but he's hurt already and uh, I don't really think that's the answer there um uh, Aaron Rodgers says he has confidence in both of these guys, but until we actually go out there and see it produce on the field, I have doubts about it. Um, of course, Devontae Adams is one of the best wide receivers in the league, so there's still that going for him. And Aaron Jones had a fantastic season last season, so many touchdowns, but I think that's going to regress some. They drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round. I could see him getting some work. Um, but... but, but um, in summary, I do think the Packers are going to end up being uh, the winners of this division most likely, um, barring injuries, of course, um, but uh, I, I think their defense is still going to be pretty good. They had a good core last year, of course, Jar- Jarrett Alexander, I, I butcher his first name, Zadarius Smith, um, and their usual suspects on defense, and I think their offense is still mainly just going to run through Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and Aaron Rodgers.
0: And the only thing, too, is that they did lose Martinez to the Giants. That's the only defensive blow that I can think of that they lost in the offseason. And they lost Jimmy Graham, too, who's now um, in Chicago, which um, if we were going to go talk the Bears, just not to talk the Bears right now, it honestly wouldn't shock me. Like, look, I know last year them going 8-8 eight eight wasn't perfect. I'm not saying they're making the playoffs, but it wouldn't shock me if they're a much better football team in 2020 than 2019, just because, like, right now, too, with everyone saying, like, oh, my God, Mitch just got handed the starting job, where in reality, I think Trubisky worked his ass off in camp to get the starting job. That's why they brought Foles in. Well,
1: you also got to think... This regime has put their whole livelihood on Trubisky's name. They want him to succeed so bad, and they need him to succeed. I think this is more of a, hey, we really need him to do good because, I mean, uh, Ryan Pace's job is on the line here. He put his namesake on this guy and, and, dra- and spent all this equity to go be able to draft him high above freaking Patrick Mahomes. And, I mean, he's going to hear that for the rest of his life probably. But uh, – I do think the Bears, their defense, of course, is the anchor of this whole team. I mean, I love Roquan Smith, he's such a great linebacker. I love that guy. Their D line, of course, anchored by Khalil Mack, is still just great. Um, the offensive wise, I mean, you have Allen Robinson, he's been super consistent. And honestly, if Nick Foles ever takes over, I can see uh, Nick Nick Foles always loved his just tall possession type receivers. I can see that being a uh, connection there if Nick Foles ever has to take over. And uh, we're still waiting to see if David Montgomery can carry the load. But uh, I'm not expecting very much out of Trubisky myself, um, just because of how bad it looked last season. But if Matt Nagy can uh, Matt Nagy did it before and got him to the playoffs and had Trubisky looking good, so maybe he can do it again.
0: They also did add. I'm also do. I was about to say they added a couple players, but before that, they still have uh, Eddie Jackson anchoring the uh, secondary out of Alabama, who's a pretty good, who's a good rece- uh, receiver, Sa- uh, defensive back, and also too. I'm just looking. They actually got Ted Ginn from the uh, Bears, not the Bears, uh, the Bears. He's on the Bears now. But he's from the Saints. And like I said earlier, uh, Jimmy Graham, the only thing that questioned me is that they're one of the only teams I see for depth charts that have four tight ends. They have Cole Komet, and they drafted out of Notre Dame, which was a very suspect draft pick. Um, The biggest thing with me for the Bears is their offense. Like, looking at their defense, it's like, look, they can get it done. It's just a matter of, can this offense work? Because like you said, not only do I think Ryan Pace's job is on the line, I think if the offense is a bad year, I think Matt Nagy's on the hot seat going uh, going into the end of the season.
1: Yeah, that's fair for sure.
2: Yeah, I think I think all they need is a running back. I think defense they have what they need. But offense, I think Trubisky can go out and have a pretty good year this year. And like y'all said, Allen Robinson's great. Not to, but I think all they need really is just a running back. If David Montgomery can stay healthy, that they, they could they could give the Packers a run.
0: And so I'm gonna yeah exactly because like David Montgomery's already out for the first two to four weeks of the year and like I've been seeing in fantasy drafts like. Montgomery before going, before Cohen. Like, I understand Montgomery's a good back, but at the same time, too, you're not starting him until at least week three or week four at this rate, because I know he's got that groin issue. Um, They did also lose Kyle Long. Sorry, I just got a text that was throwing my back. They did lose Kyle Long on the offensive line, who retired, which is a pretty big loss. I know that's a mix of injuries and just personal stuff. But this team has such potential to go far. It's just... You always know that the Bears, at the end of the day, are gonna do something stupid to mess their season up.
1: Oh yeah, I mean uh, that's true. And just, just throwing a little bit of fantasy advice there uh, for the Bears. Um, if you if you if you uh, drafted like Leonard Fournette and uh, he's probably not gonna play much the first couple weeks of the season on the Bucks, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume. Um, I would definitely pick up Tariq Cohen and give him a play. He's always a safe option in PPR leagues. And uh, a sleeper on this team, Anthony Miller. I think he's going to be a really good wide receiver if Matt Nagy can figure out this offense and get Trubisky going.
0: I agree with uh, your takes on both Cohen and Miller. Um, quickly, I just want to look into the Minnesota Vikings because, like how we were saying earlier, like the Packers probably will win this division than the Vikings. I think the Vikings are the same thing as the as the Cowboys, where not in the sense of they have their own destiny in their own hands, but I think they're their own worst enemy. Like. Fair to agree.
2: Yeah, I mean, because Kirk Cousins, if you think about it, kind of the same as Dak. He's one week he's looking really great, the next week he's looking like he's looking like crap. So I, I, I agree with you there. Really...
0: And like even you said earlier too, the loss of Diggs is going to be big. Like I know they drafted Justin Jefferson out of LSU, but at the time. Justin Jefferson is not Stephon Diggs, and I only know Adam Thielen. There was, I think it was 2018, where for fantasy value, one of the best receivers, he was getting, like, multiple catches and, like, scoring really well, like, for the first, I think, eight to ten weeks of the season, and then the last, like, five or six, it was just completely downhill from there for him, like, where he kind of, like, went from zero, like, from hero to zero very quickly. Um, my only other concerns for this team really is just tight end because I believe Kyle Rudolph is no longer a Viking. I'm just gonna look into that.
1: No, he's not an extension, actually. I think a four-year extension, which is crazy. That's Someone told
0: me last night that Rudolph was no longer a Viking. I want to say we were just messing with me. Um, they do have Rudolph, but also too, it's just a big part of it comes to it as well as Dalvin Cook's health. Like Alexander Mattinson, by the way, is another great fantasy um, handcuff to get so like if you really like, your fifteenth mm-hmm. to sixteenth round guys, like you just want someone to sit on your bench. I'd go for Mattinson. I know I have personally in a couple of my leagues. But, like I said, to the Viking team, both offensively and defensively, they're on their own. Um, Kevin Stefanski is no longer there, so it's going to be very – like this team honestly goes through offensive coordinators like the Cleveland Browns go through head coaches every single year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, pretty accurate. And, uh, I mean, I I just want to see how this team – how the wide receiver core shakes out uh bc johnson's gotten a lot of hype out of camp he's their number two outside wide receiver now but i really have high hope for justin jefferson he was a guy i really wanted the saints to look at in this past draft but uh he ended up going to the vikings and uh, i mean he's a fantastic slot receiver he had so many touchdowns last season with joe burrow and i think he could be a great replacement kind of for Stephon Diggs target wise maybe he's not he's not a similar receiver to digs in the fact that he likes to work in underneath routes justin jefferson does but uh i mean uh, i think he's a fantastic receiver and if he can ever catch on throughout the year um i know it's a little bit harder probably for rookies than ever before mainly because they didn't get the rookie mini camps they didn't get to work out near as much and get all these uh preseason snaps especially in the preseason games um but uh, I want to see if he if he can catch fire and maybe see if uh, this B.C. Johnson hype train is uh, there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, Dalvin Cook staying healthy is definitely the main thing here. Uh, Mike Zimmer definitely wants to run the football and keep this team uh, honest, especially have their defense going. I mean, they picked up Yannick Ngakwe from the Jaguars, and I think that's a huge addition. And their main, their main worry there is just their corners. I mean, Mike Hughes and... Holtz and Hill. I mean, I don't really know much on them, honestly. I mean, their safeties are good, and Harrison Smith's a really great safety. But uh, I mean, aside from their front seven, their secondary can be kind of lacking with their corners. But uh, we'll just see how they put it together. And I do think the Vikings are probably going to be the second team there. Um, kind of like you said earlier, uh, butting heads with the Packers. And uh, I think I think a realistic expectation for them is probably about ten and six.
0: I agree, and I think worst-case scenario for them is 8-8 eight and eight because the Vikings are one of those teams where, like the Dallas Cowboys, have their one year where they make the playoffs, which was last year, and then they have their year where they miss the playoffs. So they could make it, but they could miss at the same time.
2: Uh-huh. And the same then Some consistency for both of Exactly.
0: And one thing I just want to add, too, for all you out there, Britton is not one of those Cowboy fans who's rocking the blue and white shoes, the jorts, and the DAC, in the DAC jersey with the gold chain, screaming out we dumb boys every week. That's why I have them on. If I knew a Cowboy went like that, I would absolutely not allow them on this anywhere near a microphone on my podcast. So, Britton, I thank you very much for being a
2: realistic Cowboy fan. I know they're hard to find, but man, we're out there, I promise you.
0: <laughs> like a needle in a haystack. Um... And quickly, too, the Bears, I think best-case scenario for them is the seventh seed in the playoffs, and the worst case is they just miss the playoffs and it's a dumpster fire and both Nagy and Pates are gone.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, speaking of uh, coaches on the hot seat, the Lions definitely have one with Matt Patricia.
0: I'm going to go into that because, as you both know, I have a history with Matt Patricia as Patriots defensive Mm -hmm. coordinator. The reason why I feel like he's not working is because, unlike what Brian Flores is currently doing in Miami... Patricia is just trying to be Belichick, when in reality, what you need to do is just take his mannerisms and apply it to your own thing. Don't try to be a carbon copy coach of him. We saw like how the Lions locker room completely lost him. I know they're trying to develop this whole New England uh, West or New England Northwest culture in Detroit with Bob Quinn at general manager and Patricia head coach, but... That mixed with the fact that they have a new case in ownership. I know Martha Ford stepped down, and I believe her daughter, um, I think her name is Sherry, I'm going to look this up right now, Um, took over the team back in uh, May, which when there's like that just whole change in ownership too, that could really uh, screw up a team. Uh, Just give me a second here. Uh, She is currently the principal, she's former principal owner and chairperson for the Detroit Lions. It is the new owner, Sheila Ford Hamp, excuse me, her daughter, Sheila, who's about, not even that much older. She's in her almost 70s. She's 68 or 69. Nice. Um, but, yeah, this football team is the same thing as, like, the Bears, where, look, they have unlocked potential. Like, carry on Johnson. They got Adrian Peterson. I like TJ Hawkinson at a tight end. They did add some pieces in, like, Jamie Collins and Danny Shelton on the defense. And they just signed Adrian Peterson. But, man, like, last year, too, like, they looked good, but then Stafford went out with injury. I know I'm going on with the Lions, but honestly, and they added Jeff Okuda in the draft. DeAndre Swift's hurt right now, but to this Lions team, it's either they it's either going to be one of two things in my opinion. Like the Chicago Bears, you're knocking on that playoff door, or you win three games and everyone's just in a complete rebuild mode. So sorry for that long rant. You two have the floor. I'm going to take a break. <laughs>
2: I mean, they could be that team like the Titans last year that nobody expected to go that far. You know, there's always that one team. And, yeah, I mean, you never know. It's got to be one team.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I think their floor is a little bit higher than the Bears because I think the Bears could collapse at some point. Um, but uh, I see them maybe like a 6-10, and 7-9 team, the Lions. I mean, Matthew Stafford's good enough to kind of keep you afloat um the running back situation i'm kind of worried about i mean uh they drafted deandre swift who i'm a big fan of i think he's a great talent but i mean he's already hurt and that's why they ended up bringing in adrian peterson who's like a thousand yards away from barry sanders record which is funny that he's on the lions now um funny to think about but i don't see him getting a thousand yards probably in two seasons even um and i mean carry on johnson's fine Um, I think this offense is just really going to run through Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones like it has been. Um, Camp reports for TJ Hawkinson have been glowing, so maybe we'll see if he can put it all together. Um, Sometimes it takes a couple years for a rookie tight end to actually go out there and uh, start showing out that he's good. I mean, the last one I can think of that just automatically blew up was Evan Ingram. and I mean, that year, literally everyone on the Giants got hurt, so he was the only other option to be throwing to. Um, I'm... Interest to see if their defense does any better. Um, they pretty much uh, traded out Slay and got Okuda. Um, let's see if that helps them out. And they went and picked up some familiar Patriots faces to kind of bring to the defense and maybe bring in Matt Patricia's dial that he had on the um, the Patriots. So uh, I just want to see if they can put it together and keep it going. But uh, I'm going to assume that uh, they're going to be like a 6-10, six 7-9 six team, middle of the road. Uh, I'd agree
2: with you. Some somewhere around six and ten, seven and nine. Um, Bears probably. I could see. It wouldn't surprise me if the Bears won ten games. Honestly, I think they have the talent to do it. But will they? Probably not. Uh, realistically, probably about eight and eight for the Bears. But beast about the Lions. Isn't it weird how there's always like this kind of triangle of the Lions, the Patriots, and the Razorbacks.
1: Yeah, it is funny how it goes. I mean, uh, old Trey Flowers, he uh, ended up on the Patriots. And, I mean, if you think about it, uh, Ron Mallett was the backup quarterback for the Patriots for a long time. And Jake yeah, uh, right And Jake Beckett, of course. Yeah, for sure. And it's just funny how it goes. And some of the better Razorback players end up either on the Patriots uh, or the Lions. I mean, you got Dre Greenlaw who showed out on the 49ers lately um, but uh, yeah
2: it, it is a weird triangle there for sure yeah, even Bielema Bielema was on the Patriots staff at one point it's like what is Bielema's what obsession with the Razorbacks I, me and my stepdad legitimately want to know but
1: I don't know if we'll ever find out <laughs> I don't know he probably has a scout down here somewhere
0: yeah. and I also think last year too he drafted I think it was an offensive lineman or a tight end that was Danish that was from Arkansas as well
1: uh, Frank Ragnall yeah that is
0: him. Yeah, Frank Ragnow, who's now the starting center for the Detroit Lions. I'm just also looking to, they did add Desmond Trufant. Um, Jeff Okuda is actually, they're running a base 4-3 defense this year. And Jeff Okuda is their second-string cornerback behind Justin Coleman, which is a bit of a surprise, just because if you're going to invest a third overall pick in someone, you think he would start. But I guess maybe he didn't impress in camp that much, or he won't get the minutes right away.
1: And yeah, probably not.
0: Yeah, and also looking at their schedule, too, their first three games are... Or four because they have the bye week five is Bears Packers at the Cardinals and at the Packers as well, and then they host the Saints week five, uh, week four, which that's I think could be a potentially two and two start. I see them losing to like that's their best case. I think worst case scenario for that is they go one and three and or oh, oh and four because we'll get into the Cardinals in a minute on uh, the NFC West, but um. I think even too, they play the like the they play the AFC South this year. But then even too, like they have the uh, I guess they play the NFC South as well. But then they have like the Washington Football Team, and then well, yeah, they have got a pretty manageable schedule this year. So we'll see how it goes for them. They're just looking at the preseason though, and that's the other thing too. Um, how you say there's that Patriot Lion Razorback connection? Because I was looking at the preseason schedule, their first preseason game was supposed to be against the Patriots. So. Just another glimmer spot on there for the whole Britain's conspiracies about the Razorback-Patriot-Lion Triangle. Um, the next division I want to talk about, because Matt, I know you're itching to talk about your division, but I think we got to save that for last, um, is the NFC West. Last year won by the San Francisco 49ers, who this year, people don't know if they're going to win the division for some reason. I'm in the camp of they are. But there is one team who I think can make some noise in this division. And for those of you who have listened to past episodes, you know who I'm talking about. But for those of you who haven't listened, you'll find out in a minute. But I want to talk to Brenton and Matt on this. Where do you see the NFC West looking like this year going? going?
1: Um, I think it's going to be a uh, pretty strong race. All of these teams are really good, I think. Um, Cardinals are probably the least of the four. But, of course, the 49ers and the Seahawks. These guys are great teams, and I mean Russell Wilson's one of the best, if not the best, quarterback in the league. He's just so efficient, and he's just so good. Um, and I mean, all around, I think the Seahawks team is really good. Of course, we talked uh, last time how they added Jamal Adams, and I think that's going to help their defense. As we uh, as we talked through earlier, their run defense uh, it, it suffered at times last season, and with the addition of Jamal Adams, it should help. Of course, they lost Clowney. We ended up going to the Titans. Um I can talk about that later with the Saints. Um but uh I I really like the Seahawks this, this season. I think DK Metcalf and uh Tyler Lockett are gonna go out and have good years. Um I, I don't know how I feel about Greg Olsen being there. I think he's kind of just more of a veteran presence. Um Chris Carson's like a really consistent running back. He's not just great, but he's just really good for their system. And uh, I just see them going out and doing good things. Their defense should be a little bit better than last season. And uh, I think with another year under his belt, D.K. Metcalf could shine through. So uh, I'm not going to say the Seahawks are probably going to win the division. I still think the 49ers are going to be the favorites. But uh, I just wanted to highlight the Seahawks there because they're a team that I kind of like to talk about. Um, I'd probably say they, I could see the Seahawks. I could see two teams from this division going 11-5 and five probably. And they'll probably be the Seahawks and the 49ers.
2: I Oh sorry, Brady, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, it uh it straight up would not surprise me if Seattle won the entire NFC. Uh, they came close to it last year, and I I think this year they're gonna probably be better than the 49ers. I don't think the 49ers are gonna have the same success they had last year. I think that this is gonna be another another crazy year for Russell Westbrook. I'm gonna start calling Russell Westbrook, sorry. Russell Wilson. I think it's going to be a great year for Russell Wilson, and like B said, he's got all the weapons surrounding him. He's got everything he needs. I think it's going to be tough to beat Seattle.
0: Um, I agree. I agree with the two of you. I honestly think uh, San Francisco and Seattle could be good. I, I just think I, honestly, I don't. You remember last year, like San Francisco had the division, but they were going for the number one seed in that Sunday Night Football game, which ended in a very. <laughs> it was one of the best games of the year last year. I think this year, you're going to have that. I think the two teams play again in Week 17. I don't know where it is. I believe, though, San Francisco does play Seattle again Week 17. It wouldn't shock me if that game's for everything. If that game's for, like, first place in the NFC, NFC West crown, and also, too, that first seed is the going to be... That race for the number one seed this year in both conferences is going to be amazing because we're going to see just absolute nail-biter games Week 17 because of only one team getting a bye is absolutely huge. And the yes. fact, too, that... There are now seven teams per conference. I know it's weird, and eventually it's going to be eight, so half half the league makes the playoffs. But the fact that you have all that, just it's going to make for an excellent run to the postseason. So December football, like I know where you guys are, it's still a little warm that time of year, but up here it's freezing cold. But man, I'll be good to sit inside on Sundays and watch some football, and some very competitive <laughs> football at that too. Um, the one team I honestly want to say who I think is going to make noise this year and finish third in the division... I think the Arizona Cardinals have a better season than the Rams. I know people, you guys are probably scratching your heads right now, but there's something about this team. And, like, look, they just gave DeAndre Hopkins a lot of money, $42.5 million guaranteed at signing, and he's now the highest paid non-QB in the league. But just with the mix of him and Fitzgerald and Kenyon Drake, and also, too, I love the addition of Isaiah Simmons in that defense because that defense does need some help. But, man, Cliff Kingsbury is a much better coach than I think people give him credit for because, like, He's making Kyler Murray look really good. And there's a lot of people out there, too, that are saying, I don't know who's going to be the MVP of the league this year, but there's a lot of people thinking that it could be Kyler Murray. So for that reason, and this was one of my like crazy takes back in March before COVID, was that the Arizona Cardinals make the playoffs.
1: I mean, uh, it, you can definitely make a case for it happening. I mean, I think uh, the offense has looked great. And, of course, they just added DeAndre Hopkins. Kenyon Drake gets a full... Well, not really a full off season with the way things are, but now he's gotten more time to acclimate to the system and not just uh, half a season in. So I think the offense is going to go crazy because um, Kyler Murray, he's a great quarterback too. I mean, he's a, he's a joy to watch. He, he puts on uh, – definitely puts on out there, even though he's only like a 5'10 guy, he looks so small out there compared to everybody. And it's just uh, amazing to watch him work um i really do enjoy watching him and as you said isaiah simmons that's a big addition he is he was he was my favorite prospect in that draft last year just the way you can use him i mean this guy you can literally just throw him anywhere he can play safety he can go play anywhere alongside uh, in, any linebacker spot he can rush the passer i mean he, the range of outcomes you can use with him is just great so if they can just use him and uh cater to his talents that'll be a great great pickup for them um just gotta see if their defense can put it together i think their offense is just going to be amazing i mean it was really good last year with of course larry christian kirk Keyshawn johnson uh Kenyan drake as i said and now you just add deandre hopkins one of the best wide receivers in the league um that's just a huge addition um but yeah i could i could see them being a pretty good team and uh Maybe they could be above the Rams um, because, I mean, uh, the Rams are kind of a question mark um, coming into this season. But uh, I don't know. I-, I could see the Cardinals going like 7-9 and It's probably about where I got them, maybe 8-8-ish, eight and somewhere around there. But one of these teams is definitely going to falter, be it uh, the Rams, the Cardinals. And like Britton said, it could possibly be the 49ers. I mean, they're dealing with some injuries there, but we can get into that in a minute.
0: Um, and also, too, the, uh, I-, I only say that just because, look, I have a bit of a – Biased against the uh, Los Angeles Rams, proudly sponsored by Best Buy. Um, I say that for obvious reasons, but they did lose. um, They did lose. Roger Saffold, Todd Gurley is gone now. We know he's with Atlanta. Um, Their biggest question to me is just: Can they reinvent themselves? Because like, look, they had a great 2018. They arguably, and and Matt will probably get. This is gonna be a little salt in the wound. Sorry, buddy, but they should not have made the Super Bowl last year. Um, and then after that, Belichick straight up exposed McVay, and then I feel like everyone else saw that film and said, hey, here's a perfect game plan to beat the Rams. Um, so they just took it went So if McVay can figure out a way to reinvent them, I think they can be a wild card team or that seventh seed, but if they stay the same team and Jared Goff doesn't, uh, start to go up, or like, um, excel, uh, this team's not making the playoffs in 2020.
2: Yeah, I agree with you guys. I was thinking about that before uh, we recorded this today, about the Cardinals. Like, I, I legitimately think they could go, like, 8-8. Eight and eight. The, uh, Like you guys said, the offense looks incredible. I think all their games are probably going to be really high scoring. But, you know, defense is going to make up for it. You know, it's going to be... When I say high scoring, I mean high scoring on both sides. So.
0: Oh, no, no, no. I got that right away, too. Because, um, like, I remember last year, too, they had two games against San Francisco, and both games I think were, like, At least over forty points. So I just want to look at there because I know they're playing San Francisco Week One. I want to see if the uh, betting odds are out because me, I don't bet, but I like to pay attention to spreads and stuff and uh, over unders. But the over under on this week's game, uh, San Francisco is a seven and a half point favorite, and it's a forty seven over under. So if I were to bet, I would take the over on that game. That that game goes over forty seven points. If I were to, I'd say probably like. You'll see a lot of games like 35 to like 28 and stuff like that, or even like 34 to 27, somewhere in like that range for the Cardinals. Not And
2: say, then you add Mr. Two-Touchdown, DeAndre Hopkins. But they're going to be – that offense is going to be really, really hard to stop.
0: And also, so they did add uh, Josh Jones to their offensive line out of Houston, who I know yeah. they, did, they did need help on the offensive line because that was one of their weak points last year, but – that plus two Kyler Murray can make a lot of explosive plays on his feet like you know how I was saying I heard some people saying that he could potentially be an MVP candidate could you I'm not saying he's gonna win the MVP but like I'm just looking at like how Patrick Mahomes in his second year Lamar Jackson in second year both won MVPs could Kyler follow suit
1: I think that's a pretty pretty big shoes to fill um if you had to ask me um and uh, I, I think if I had to bet on an MVP candidate from this division, I'd probably put my money on Russell Wilson myself. Exactly, I agree with you, Beast.
0: So yeah. it was just all hypothetical, but um. Oh yeah, for I, sure. yeah. I just I do agree with you guys though. Where I think their best case is actually nine and seven, and their worst case is probably like seven and nine or six and ten. Yeah, I can see we'll that.
1: Surprise and, people! It'll be a lot of fun. Sorry, Beast. Oh, I yeah. like how you pointed out, Griff, them adding Josh Jones is huge. I forgot to mention, like, I mean, Kyler Murray, I think statistically he was the most hit quarterback last last season. And, I mean, it doesn't help that he kind of goes out and makes plays with his feet. But, I mean, getting him some offensive line help was crucial. And uh, then picking up Josh Jones in the second round was a uh, really good get for them. Because uh, I was mocking them to get one of the guys like Makai Becton, um, who ended up going to the Jets, um, someone like that in the first round but I mean getting Josh Jones who was graded as a first round tackle talent in the second round was a good gift for them
0: and then they also added into uh, Richard Lawrence from LSU who I like as a defensive tackle as well so that's just another anchor on the defensive line with uh, Chandler Jones and Isaiah Simmons because like we all know they have one of the best secondaries in football and they also I believe gave Buda Baker enough money to. yeah Buddha Baker got paid this offseason I'm just going to look at their death chart uh and they also added, I believe, uh, was it Jordan? They added Jordan Hicks, and then they also added to, I believe, I'm just gonna do some looking in to see if Corey Peters was there. It was Corey Peters that was there last year. Yes, he was. So it is, uh, you know. See, so yeah, they added Jordan Jordan Hicks, and then from I believe the Bills and or uh, wait, I'm confused. I'm just trying to figure out who exactly they added in the offseason. season. Uh, sorry about this, guys. I am just kind of messing up right now. Uh, Who are off-season additions?
2: Just...
0: Jordan Phillips they added, and Devon Kennard, excuse me. Those are the off-season additions. They got Kennard from the Lions and Phillips from the Bills. So, And like I said, too, Cliff Kingsbury is a very exciting coach to wear last year. It was a very suspect hiring, but at the end of the day, a lot of people were impressed. But one comparison I could make as potential worst-case scenario is, do you guys remember the twenty nineteen LA Chargers where they had a lot of close games where they lost a lot of them, so they ended up going five and eleven? That's why my worst case with the Cardinals is six and ten.
1: Uh yeah, I can take that for sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
0: Um, and then just quickly with the Rams, I think best case is nine I think worse they're nine and seven or seven and nine, somewhere in there, or even eight and eight. I think they're one of those three records.
2: Yeah, I don't think they finish over 500.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a take right there. I mean, um, when Todd Gurley was good for them, it kind of masked um, the inconsistencies of Jared Goff. And now they have question marks there at running back. I mean, Malcolm Brown is a good backup, but let's see if maybe he's a good starter. And I mean, they don't really know who's going to be the guy there. I mean, they drafted Daryl Henderson in the second round last year, Cam Akers this time in the second round out of Florida State. Um, I've heard some camp buzz on Van Jefferson, the rookie wide receiver, but I don't know if he's really just going to emerge. Um, I mean, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are two of the most consistent receivers out there. If you play fantasy, you just know just how consistent they are and how good they are. Um, I think those are going to be the only two bright spots, really. Um, maybe Higby. I'm not sure on him. But, uh, of course, they still have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey uh, anchoring the defense. So, uh I can make some stuff happen, but uh, I'm gonna say seven and nine, six and ten.
0: All right, and uh, we waited a long time. I know Matt's itching right now to talk. The brand new NFC South. It is that time. We saved the arguably, probably one of the most toughest divisions in football for last. Um, I. It's three teams of tough. Um, but I only say that because look, we obviously know Carolina's in a rebuild year. They have a very young defensive core. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater—it's his first year. It's Matt Rule's first year, which that's a bit of an expensive contract and a buyout from Baylor. I know you guys are SEC guys, but even two from the Big Twelve. It's another. I think it's a questionable hire, like Cliff Kingsbury. But look, when you got CMC, I think he's going to help win some games.
1: Oh yeah, I mean that's for sure. He's going to go out there. And win them games, no doubt. Um, just carry the team on his back. Um, I do think Teddy Bridgewater is an improvement for their quarterback play last year. And they had really bad quarterback play. And uh, I really like D.J. Moore as a talent. He's a really good wide receiver. And I think his skill set is going to fit right in with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, the, the, the thing I don't really understand here is I've heard bad reports on Curtis Samuel. And they signed Robbie Anderson. I mean, Robbie Anderson did play a Matt Roll um for him in college. So maybe that's probably why he ended up on the team, but I don't see Robbie Anderson being a good fit with this team. Um, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't throw the deep ball very often when he does throw the deep ball. He's pretty accurate, but I mean, it just doesn't happen very often. So I don't really see Robbie Anderson being a fit for this team. And of course, I mean, they lost Luke Keekley That's a huge hit on their defense there. They really should have went out and got Isaiah Simmons. That would have helped them a lot. Um, but I think the defense is definitely going to take a step back. I think the offense is going to be better than it was last year. It's not saying much when you see well, what quarterbacks had going on there. I do think they're going to be the worst team in the division. Um, but I could see them winning probably about six games, six and ten.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with you. They, they've got a lot of new stuff. You know, that. But, I mean, they haven't really been able to work on it because they haven't really had a regular offseason. So it's going to take them a little bit to figure out what they have. So I, I don't think they're gonna be worth much this year.
0: Um, I agree with you both. I just think their their be- I think their best case is six and ten. I think their worst case is four and twelve. I think this is a top five draft twenty twenty one team.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah.
0: And moving on next, uh I'm gonna say it's a lot better two teams for last. I think man, if they're like this team, it's another bird but they're a bird with a bit of a broken wing. But if the Atlanta Falcons can stay healthy, I think they get the seven seed. Let's the... Either one oh, of you yeah. who wants to go first. Take the floor.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, the, the Falcons, they have such good talent. Um, their offense is, of course, going to be crazy. Um matt ryan's a really consistent quarterback even though i hate the guy um i gotta give it up to him he is a uh, very consistent guy and he just goes out there and throws for so many yards many touchdowns every year it helps when he got a wide receiver like julio jones and of course you got calvin ridley behind him um the big question is what their what's their running back crew going to look like and uh can todd Gurley actually go out and show out like i said on the last time i was on here uh, he's got to go out there and prove to other teams that He's on like a one-year rental agreement to show that he can actually go out there and play like he used to, and uh, I think I'm going to bet towards him not being quite as good as he was, but, I mean, when you're on an offense that's as good as the Falcons, you're going to have chances to score and chances to put up put up points, um, and their defense, honestly, it's had troubles. Keanu Neal's already questionable. Um, he's a really good safety, though, when he is on the field. Of course, they got Dion Jones, a great linebacker. Uh, their defensive line has some talent kind of all over it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the range of outcomes is very vast for the Falcons. Um, I, I, and like you said, you could see them being the seventh seed in the NFC, and I do think three teams from the NFC South are going to be in the playoffs this season. Um, probably three teams from the NFC West and three teams from the NFC South. Um, that's Probably the way it's going to end up, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the Falcons. Um, if I had to put a cap on them, I'd probably say I'd cap it off about nine and seven, ten and six.
0: Britain, thoughts on the and also, too, just before we get to Britain, I want to point out as well. Ricardo Allen, I know he's their second stringer, but he is also questionable to start the year. So if the Falcons can stay healthy, I agree. I think this is a ten six at best football team. But uh, Britain. Buddy, where do you think the Atlanta Falcons are going to be this year?
2: I mean, if Matt, Ryan, Julio Jones, and Todd Gurley can be who we know they all can be, then they can absolutely make the playoffs. They can absolutely make some noise. But it just comes down to those three, I feel like. And you got to keep them motivated. you got to make sure. That, I mean, other than those three, honestly, there are those teams that I don't really keep up too much with, and this is one of them. Um, so I don't really have too much to ask about them, but I know, like, those three, like, if, if you get that three-headed monster going, that, that's going to be impossible to stop.
0: And also, too, and, um, I know I've talked about this before with Phil because he's a Gamecock, but I like the addition of Hayden Hurst at tight end as well for the Atlanta Falcons with the departure of, uh, Hooper to Cleveland.
1: See, I oh, yeah. Know they, they got him, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, Hayden Hurst, he's a, uh, he, he was kind of buried there behind Mark Andrews, who's a great tight end, of course, in Baltimore. And uh, we're going to see if Hayden Hurst has what it takes. And, I mean, uh, last year the Falcons were just having to come back and come back and come back in these games. And, I mean, Austin Hooper got so much of that um, on the receiving end of it because they would just leave the tight end open uh, just – and the underneath routes and uh, right there in the middle of the field. So I think that's going to be uh, what Hayden Hurst is going to be doing. That's going to be his, his bread and butter.
0: All right, and now on to one of the biggest talk debates in football. There's people who think this division can go either way. I'm going to let Matt have the floor here because we started off with Britain's team. We're ending with Matt's team. I'm on the same oh, page yeah. as Matt as who's winning. But for all, oh, yeah. for anyone out there, there's a lot of people who say the Saints is a lot of, f- not fake hype, but there's a lot of like unrealistic chances just because of everything that's happened in the last three postseasons. But I want to hear why the Saints are going to win this division and not the Buccaneers.
1: Okay, if I had to give a short explanation, well... You can take as long as you want. If I had to give an explanation as to why I think the Saints, of course, it's probably a biased take coming from a Saints fan, but try to put it in as unbiased of a uh, situation as possible. You have this season, this COVID-2019-2020 season, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's It's been really weird, and these teams have had to go under not having all these preseason games, not having near as much practice, to get ready um this saints team is they've been together for this core has been together for about the past four or three years and over the past three years they are the best regular season football team they've lost only 11 games in the past three seasons the past two seasons of which they've only lost six they've gone 13 and three two years in a row um and the the first season there they went 11 and 5 they ended up on like a two game two to three game losing streak and ended up coming back and going 11 and 5 so a lot of those losses were at the very beginning of this run um this team is the continuity is there the experience is there um the one guy that's new that should be well that, that i do have one concern about one of the new guys that got added but one new guy they added emmanuel sanders he's a veteran wide receiver you saw him last season get traded from the broncos to the 49ers and just step right in and i think it's going to be the same situation here and he had a little bit more time to get acclimated with the saint system and i think him being that anchor away from michael thomas is going to be crucial Um, of course, Alvin Kamara is still there. He's probably about to sign his new contract. He is just a, uh, he's a machine. Um, after Saquon Barkley, he's probably the most, one of the most talented running backs in the league. I only say that because, um, Christian McCaffrey, of course, gets a lot of work in the passing game, but he doesn't have a route tree like Alvin Kamara does. If you go back and watch that, uh, Vikings playoff game where Stephon Diggs, of course, had the huge catch um our go-ahead touchdown there before that happened was a uh, just touchdown throw where Alvin Kamara was just running out wide and just a uh, Chuck from Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara just came down with it I mean he just he's he's a really good receiver um of course Drew Brees is who he is one of the best quarterbacks ever in the league he just owns just look at the record book he's all over it um Jared Cook, he's still a really good tight end. Um, he showed out last season. He had like nine touchdowns down the stretch. Um, my main concern on the offensive side of the football, um, they added Caesar Ruiz, the center slash guard out of Michigan in the first round. Um, they don't. They, they ideally, I think they do want him to play center. Um, now that I've actually seen uh, or, or got to hear more camp news, but uh, he hasn't gotten to play that position a lot because Andrews Pete, our left guard, got hurt early on in camp so they pretty much had to stick with a uh, different rotation for the longest time. Andrews Pete is healthy now, of course, and he's going to be able to play, but uh, Caesar Ruiz didn't get a lot of snaps there at center, so he's going to be playing right guard. So I think the main uh, way to attack the Saints is going to be that defensive line pressure um, hitting the interior, which could be a problem because Tampa Bay has a really great front seven in week one. So if Tampa Bay is going to win that game, Um, Drew Brees is going to get hit quite a lot from interior pressure, Um, I will say that. But uh, just to go over the defense really quickly, the defense, they're they're pretty much staying a solid core unit from last season. Um, Cam Jordan, Sheldon Rankins, Malcolm Brown, Marcus Davikoport, these guys are all first round picks, and they're not just these bums. I mean, Malcolm Brown is probably one of the least ones on there. And of course, David Onyemata, too, out of Manitoba, Um, shout shout out to Griff there um david onyamata is a great uh defensive tackle as well we just signed him to an extension uh, sheldon rankins is going to be out to prove that he can return to his form that he was two seasons ago when he had a non-sack season out of uh defensive attack at the defensive tackle spot marcus davenport has a lot to prove especially with the whole clowny situation people are like why would we want to bring in connie when we got marcus davenport i mean marcus davenport we gave up two first round picks to go get him but i mean the saints i mean I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna keep going on a rant here. I mean, uh, I, I got to speak to the genius of Mickey Loomis here, just in case anyone didn't know. This man literally went out just to show how much YOLO he's going uh, for this season, um, and how much the Saints really want to make it all the way. Um, he literally was going to use the Browns' salary cap, have the Browns sign Jadavion Clowney, and then send them a second-round pick, so that way uh, Jadavion Clowney could come over to the Saints and uh, the pretty much paying a second-round pick for cap space just to get this guy because they really want to go all the way out. But the NFL nixed it, and that's why he ended up on the Titans. Um, But uh, just going back to the defense really fast, Demario Davis, uh, Alex Anzalone at linebacker. If Anzalone can stay healthy, that'll be a great help. This man is a really good linebacker. He has a knack for making plays and creating turnovers. And the secondary should be improved with Malcolm Jenkins at safety. Marcus Williams is still – he he has his uh, ups and downs for sure, but uh, I'm hoping he can put it more together. Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins is going to form uh, one of the best cornerback tandems in the whole entire league and watch out for C.J. Gardner-Johnson out of the slot. He is a fantastic cornerback slash safety that you can put all over the field. And I'm sorry I just went on forever on that.
0: <laughs> it's all good. Brent, are you still with us?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean –
2: I think you hit the nail right on the head. Of course, I think the Saints are the most complete team in the NFC, and they're the best team in the NFC. And there's absolutely no reason why they shouldn't be in the Super Bowl the next year. Next season. This coming season. Sorry.
0: It's all good. Um my thoughts on this team, like you're saying, they have like their defense is really good on paper. Cam Jordan's just a sack specialist. I like the Canada shout out with Anya out of Manitoba. <laughs> And um, I like Zach Bond, the, uh, I believe, third or fourth uh-huh. round linebacker they got. Because I saw, too, I was looking at their, when you were on your little uh, rant there about the Saints, I noticed because it's Caden uh, Ellis, who is the starter, and then Bond's the uh, second, so we'll see how that turns out. They just have so many yeah. um, interchangeable parts. Like even Trey Hendrickson that can come in and play some snaps. Uh, I like Ramchek's one of the best guards, uh, tackles in the league, excuse me. Um... But one question I just want to ask you quickly, what's more likely to happen first, uh, a Deontay Harris uh, return touchdown or Michael Thomas touchdown on Sunday?
1: (laughs) I mean, ideally, I would love a Deontay Harris touchdown just to uh, show out a little bit. And uh, one other point I just want to make quickly on the defense, Um, I know you brought up Caden Ellis. You're not going to really see him play a lot because uh, this defense has just so many corners and safeties that are going to be out there on the field. We're going to be playing a lot of nickel and dime packages, and that's really going to put offenses on their heads and toes. Like, what is this team going to do? There's just so many defensive formations they can do because of how deep they are at so many different positions. And I'm hoping Zach Bond coming in and have a good package here and there. Um, throw him in the mix, too, just to mix it up. If I had to put a number on this year, I don't think we're going to go 13-3 and three like we have been. I'm gonna say 12 and four um, that's what I'm gonna go with and I'm gonna stick with that
0: um and I also noticed too um, your first three games obviously there's this the big one this Sunday with the Buccaneers but then you open the uh, new stadium in Vegas against the Raiders and then you have Sunday Night football against the Packers week three so the first three games are gonna be very good for the Saints gonna have some competition right out of the gate which is a lot of people say, oh, it sucks, but at the same time, too, it's very good to see, so you can kind of get an early feel of how your team's going to do. Um oh, yeah, for sure. I feel best case, I'm going to say that I think they could go 13-3 and again, but the worst case scenario, I would say, is 11-5. and
1: Yeah, I could see a worst case scenario, like if a bad injury happened and in our offensive line is just not working. I could see it being 9-7. and seven. Uh, and making like the 7th or the 6th seed in the playoffs. But uh, I, I really lean more to the ceiling of uh, more of a 13-3. and three. But I'm going to say 12-4 and four just because I think the division is going to be harder this season.
0: I, I fully agree. Um, but I don't see this team missing the playoffs at all. I honestly do think, too, I think this is a year they're pushing their chips forward and they're going all in to win a chip. Mm-hmm. Because I agree. If, because if Breeze wins a second... His stock just raises and raises for... Like, he's already in Canton, but it's just the talk for... Like, look at Peyton Manning all those years where he didn't he only had the one ring. You win a second ring, you're in a whole other level. Um, before we talk, because we're going to finish the box and just uh, make cases for them. Uh, Brenton, what's your best case, worst case for the uh, New Orleans Saints? Uh,
2: I think there's no way they lose or uh, they win less than 10 games. I'd say worst-case scenario, maybe 11-5. and uh, Best-case scenario, 13-3. and
0: three. All right. Um, and uh, last but not least with this division is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, obviously adding in Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. But people ask me all the time, am I a Bucs fan and do I have Bucs apparel yet? And I say no. Phil and I are ride-or-die New England fans. We've committed to this team. I have prepared for this day for a very long time. I'm going to watch the game Sunday and it's going to be very weird. But at the same time, too, I love how Brady goes from being this villain in New England to Tampa and everyone all of a sudden loves him. And it's, he's going to win number seven automatically. And also, too, one Bucks note I want to make I'm not saying the Bucks are going to be like last year's Cleveland Browns. I only think they are in the way of hype. I don't think they're, they're going to be this juggernaut that comes out and just obliterates everyone. I think you're going to see a lot of miscommunication in the first few games, because it's going to take a while for everyone to get used to each other. But for a fantasy perspective, if you haven't drafted yet and you're listening to this episode, because it's we still obviously have 48 hours... 40, uh, 47 and a half now until kickoff. Um, Chris Godwin, I think, is a more money fantasy receiver than Mike Evans. I said it because I feel like... M- Godwin is more capable of those short routes, and he's just going to take the ball and explode, kind of like what Tyreek Hill is capable of. Meanwhile, Evans, I think you're going to see some uh, miscommunication on some deep routes just because we don't know what a 43-year-old Tom Brady is going to look like throwing the ball bombs ahoy. For all we know, Brady can do it, but at the same time, too, I would go Godwin, and also, too, a sneaky bench option for a later-round pick is Scotty Miller.
2: Yeah. So- it's all we, we can hear you. Go ahead. All right. Yeah, I think the team, Tampa Bay, it all comes down to Tom Brady. And it all comes down to how he plays. If he goes out and he plays like he played last year, then they're just going to get bounced. They're not going to get anywhere. But if he goes out and he plays like 2011 Tom Brady, or even like Tom Brady from a couple of years ago, then they can win the whole thing easily. They have the offense. They have the defense. They have everything they need. I, Chris Godwin is going to be special this year. I think he's going to be probably a top three fantasy tight end, or sorry, top three fantasy receiver, top probably five regular receiver. I I agree with you. He's going to be better than Mike Evans. He's going to have a a standout year. And um, like I said, it just all comes down to Brady.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, uh, A lot of hype has been thrown on the Buccaneers, and I think people should. should uh, stand back and just think about it. Think about this team for a minute. And this isn't me downplaying them at all. Um, last season, they went 7-9 with Jameis Winston throwing 30 for 30. Um, you bring in Tom Brady, who was a lot better at being an efficient quarterback, especially as these quarterbacks get older. You uh, you see these guys like a Drew Brees or a Tom Brady just – I mean, Tom Brady's never really thrown a lot of picks, never been his M.O., but like Drew Brees, he used to throw a couple – quite a few picks here and there, but I mean, granted his defense was absolute garbage. So he was having to uh, compensate for that at times, but uh, you see these, you see these older quarterbacks make making better and wiser mistake and wiser decisions with the football and not being uh, as mistake uh, ridden as a uh, James Winston would be. And uh, I think that's going to hurt Godwin and Evans is uh, fancy value just a little bit. Um, but I still think Godwin's going to be mega efficient. This guy is a really good wide receiver. Um, of course, the big question mark is what's going to what's going to happen with the running back room. They signed LaShawn McCoy this year. I mean, he is just washed at this point. I just don't really see him doing anything. Ronald Jones couldn't beat out Peyton Barber. Um, they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, but you hadn't really heard much about him. And of course, they signed Leonard Fournette, who just got cut by the uh, by the Jaguars. And I think he could be a good running back for them. I don't think he's not the most efficient running back out there, but uh, he's definitely going to get his uh, his uh, his his opportunity there because this offense is just going to run really well. Um, the tight ends, the tight end heads there. You got Gronk, OJ Howard, Cameron Brait. I think these are all really good tight ends. Um, is Gronk going to play? Going to make it through all sixteen games? I have my doubts. I'm not sure if he will or not um so we'll see how that goes their defense their main worry is going to be their secondary their front seven is fantastic um if their front seven can just generate pressure like i would like i suggested um how they could possibly beat the saints on sunday is just attacking that interior line with indomitian soon and vita vea um and, and possibly throwing in some more blitzes there with Shaquille barrett um and trying to get the attention away from the secondary but uh as far as the range of outcomes for the Buccaneers, um, I'm probably going to give them 11 and five, is what I'm going to have them at. It's going to be a really close race with the Saints, with the Saints ultimately winning, I believe. Um, their worst case scenario, eight and eight, nine and seven, probably. Honestly, uh, I think this team is just going to be really good since they're going to be limiting the amount of turnovers that they have they had last season.
0: Um. I agree with the both of you. Um, the one thing I honestly want to see is uh, if Gronk can stay healthy, because like, I know he's back. And if you guys are asking me, and also for everyone out there, was I upset for Brady leaving? No, I was more upset for Gronk coming out of retirement to go join him down in Tampa Bay. Um, my biggest question is him, because look, I on, like if you're looking at it for fantasy, I'd rather go Howard or Brady, because I feel like those are going to be more of the playmakers. I think Gronk is just there to kind of be a security blanket for Brady, or kind of like that you know, that option you can go to for more, I think, goal line touchdowns or, like, those goal line, like, stances where Brady has the famous quarterback sneak. But for the most part, um, their running game is their biggest question to me. Like, look, I know you got Leonard Fournette, but you don't know, like, you're probably, I don't know how much of you are going to see him of Week 1. Uh, their offensive line is still a huge question mark to me. I know they got worse in the draft, but last year I think Winston was sacked 47 times. And that's the other thing I was looking at, too, is if, this offensive line can't hold up for Tom Brady, like, I'm not knocking their offensive line, I'm just saying, it's not like exactly you have Jameis Winston behind you, you have to protect probably the, I'm not going to say probably, he is the GOAT, he is the greatest quarterback of all time, Who brought me many joys throughout the years, gentlemen, but I'm just saying this right now, if he gets knocked around a lot, who knows, his body is not what it used to be, I know he does all his avocado ice creams and smoothies and the TV 12 method with Alex Guerrero. But if Tom Brady can't stay healthy, this like whole experiment kind of failed. And the one thing, I know we said we're excited for football. But there's one thing I'm also equally excited for. And that is next Monday on shows like Get Up, First Take, Good Morning Football. If the Buccaneers go out and win the game... Brady is a god, and the Bucks are going to go and win the Super Bowl. But if not, it's going to be like, I'm just thinking about it. The what if Brady doesn't play well, but Cam does play well, and Breeze plays well? It's the overreactions next Monday are just going to be absolutely ridiculous, and I am here for yes,
1: it. Yes, I agree. I mean, uh, week one is pretty much the big uh, everyone's good. Everyone's good going into the season. Everyone. And until uh, one team loses and another team wins, um the overreactions are going to be insane people are gonna doubt the saints if they lose people are going to doubt the bucks if they lose and people are just going to be writing these teams off automatically in week one because that's just how it is and you brought up a really good point with the offensive line they don't have james back there and I mean james gets a lot of flack but he was really sneaky elusive back there and really good at uh warding off tackles and I mean tom Brady definitely does not do that so uh, that was a really good point you brought up
0: Um, also too, before we, uh, wrap things up, um, in addition to the Von Miller injury, Bradley Chubb, uh, they believe is not 100%. He's coming off a torn ACL from last year. Um, so they aren't 100% sure if he's going to play Monday or not. Uh, he'll probably be on a pitch count. And also too, another thing to look out for for fantasy if you draft already, but Brandon Cooks is questionable with a quad injury. He did not practice today. So it's just a couple things from James Palmer of the NFL Network I wanted to point out. Um... My best case for this Bucs team is not Super Bowl. I think if they want to make noise for the Super Bowl, that is next season, I think, this year. It would, like... I think this team's worst-case scenario is a seventh seed, and they make the playoffs at, like, a 10-6 or a 9-7. Their best case is they win. I'm not going to say a record, because I think it's just going to be whatever is better than the Saints. Um, And another thing to look out for, too, which I found kind of funny but also kind of stupid, is that 15 of their 17 games are at opposite times of the Patriots. And with that being said... Am I gonna go out of my way to watch Bucks games? No, but if it's like a primetime game, which the Bucks have five, um, will I watch, yeah, because I'm a football junkie, not because I miss Tom. May Will I secretly cry though if he does succeed? Maybe a little. <laughs> um, another point I wanted to ask you guys about before we do wrap up. Um, I know we talked NFC I know we talked just NFC today, but if you guys had to give a prediction for who's gonna be in the Super Bowl this year, what do you guys think? What do you think the matchup will be in I It's scheduled for Tampa, but who knows at this point where the Super Bowl will be, or if it'll even have fans. Uh,
2: I've got Kansas City versus, it's tough between Seattle and New Orleans, but the Super Bowl that I've won in the past two years is Chiefs versus Saints, so I think that's what we're going to get this year
1: yeah i i tend to agree there i kind of bounce back and forth if i think the ravens can make that step they kind of uh um for the lack of a better term uh pooped it away against the titans last last season in the playoffs um and i want to see if they can uh show show off again in the playoffs because i really don't see any other teams of the AFC that could possibly make it um into the super bowl besides them or the chiefs and uh Maybe the Titans can show up again, but I just don't think they're just I just don't think they can do it. Um so I don't have much confidence in any of the teams outside of the Chiefs and the Ravens. And of course I wanna see my Saints in there, so I'm going to end up predicting the same thing I predicted last year and predict a Kansas City versus Saint Saints Super Bowl.
0: Um, my dream Super Bowl was always Brady versus Breeze, um Patriots, Saints. This year's obviously different with Cam and I've said this before on record that this season's a Pandora's box and I get to open it on Sunday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, But I'm going to go a little different than you guys. I honestly think this is the year that the Ravens finally win in the playoffs. I'm going Ravens versus Saints for my Super Bowl matchup. Um, I do think... I think we're going to see Ravens-Chiefs in the uh, AFC Championship game. And uh, I think it'll either be Saints versus Seahawks or Packers in the NFC Championship.
1: Okay. Um... As far as, like, divisional championships, I agree. Uh, Ravens and Chiefs, and uh, I'm going to throw a random bone out there. I'm going to say it's going to be Bucks and Saints in the conference championship.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I'd say AFC definitely probably going to be Kansas City and uh, Baltimore. That's going to be your next New England versus Pittsburgh and all that. Um, But NFC is going to be probably, like I said, Saints versus Seahawks. There's that's gonna be such a good game. Oh yeah, if for sure. Happens.
0: And um, if I quickly just—I know we, we're NFC. I just want to ask you quickly, AFC. If you had to pick two teams from last year who did not make the playoffs that will make the playoffs this year from the AFC, who do you think it'll be? Both of you.
1: Got to think about that for a second. Um, I think one easy answer. Or both easy answers here would be, uh, I think the easy answer would be to say the Steelers and the Colts. That's so, uh, I'd probably go with if I had to choose two teams that didn't make the playoffs, it's going to make it this year. I think the Colts, they have a good core there for sure. Um, Phillip Rivers, still a good quarterback. Um, I think their offense is going to be nice. Their offensive line is one of the best in football. And uh, they got a good core there on defense. And the Steelers, um, I think they can be a good team with Big Ben back, and their offense should be running pretty well, hopefully. Uh, maybe Juju can come back to form. Yeah, I agree
2: with the Steelers. I forgot their defense has really stepped it up from what I've heard. And I, I don't know, the Bills made the, D of the playoffs last year, didn't they?
0: They did. They lost to Houston in the wild card round. Or they yeah. choked the game away. Excuse me. I think they were up like fifteen to nothing at the half, and then they just shit the
2: bed. Uh, I guess I'd agree with Beast and the Colts. Uh, I mean, they're, they're typically one of those AFC teams that are always in there. So,
0: um, I was the same as you guys. I actually have the Colts winning the AFC South. That's just that's because if you've listened to many episodes before, you know I have a bit of a bit of a reactions to the Houston Texans that isn't looked on as positive. I think a lot of their management styles are very um, unorthodox and just not natural, even though Deshaun Watson got his money. Um, but anyway, guys, two days before the season. Thank you very much for coming on. We had a great NFC talk today. I look forward to having the both of you on. Matt, it's always good to have you. Britton, it was great to have you. We had a bit of a break from the show, uh, but hopefully I can get you guys back on at some point during the season, doing some preview predictions throughout the weeks. And, Maybe at some points we can either praise our fantasy teams or be completely disgusted, like Britain was last year with Juju Smith Schuster.
2: Going <laughs> a well, whole
0: rant episode of just bashing Juju. I got a DM one day of like a trade saying Juju's open for trade, and I was just like, "Oh, I'm going to avoid that. Thank you."
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: everybody did. Well, anyway, yeah. um, uh,
1: were you going to say something, Matt? Oh, no, I was just uh, laughing in agreement there. I mean, uh, I-, I think Gigi's going to be better this season, though.
0: And Britain will That's be just saying. slamming his head against the wall if that does happen. <laughs> Britain, no what? offense. I'm not picking on you, buddy. I'm just saying it happens to the best of us. When one year you have a fantasy player and he's shit, and the next year he is just fantastic. You just like look at yourself like that dog in the room on fire and just go, yeah, everything's fine.
2: Yeah, it's like Will Fuller whenever you bench him one week and he has like 50 points, and then the next week you're like, okay, I'll put him on Flex and he gets you three points. You're like, this is cool. Awesome. I love fantasy football so much.
0: That happened to me last year with Kenyon Drake. I think it was the game against the Browns where I benched him in the semifinals and I lost by like five points. I think it was either playing you or Phil in that semifinal. And I decided to bench him because I was like, oh, he's not going to do anything, and he gets like 40 points, and I'm like, what the fuck? But anyway, guys, like I said before, thank you very much for coming on. Football is two days away. Two whole days away. These guys are going to be back on at some point during the season. Fellas, thank you very much once again for coming on. And I think the only other messages we have to say before we go is continue to social distance, wear your masks where plausible, and wash your hands and sanitize your hands at all times.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Good night, (laughs) man.
0: Week one is right around the corner, guys. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you guys back here very soon as more episodes are going to be coming of the YWC Football Talk podcast. Good night for now. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website,
2: saythedamnscore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it.